thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And this week we are super excited to have, uh, in Cindy's words, a feisty young woman on the show who I believe is going to inspire you and in fact even encourage you to lift and raise the bar in your own self worth and in your own messages that you have to give to this world. Love to welcome you, beautiful Taylor Winterstein. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> oh, we are beside us. Cindy and I have not stopped talking about you um, <laughs> probably for at least a couple of months. Aww. How did you get on to finding Tay's way? And do you want to just give us a bit of an intro as to how you connected with her first? Oh, um, somebody must have um, said to me, you've got to watch um, this girl named Tay's Way on Instagram. And um, so I started watching you, I don't know how long ago it was, Taylor, and I watched you grow. I watched you um, give birth to your baby. Well, I didn't watch that, but I saw that baby come. And and then um, you started to... I find your voice, I think, more than I ever saw any young woman find their voice. And I, I don't want to talk about how you found your voice until we go through your whole story because the story behind why you are doing what you are doing right now I think is more important than um, what this topic... Oh, it's a hard one to do because there's just so much controversy about this topic. So let's start with your life with your husband and how you met him. Let's start there. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's like 10 years ago now. Um, Okay, so I met my gorgeous darling husband on Facebook. Oh, my gosh, it's so embarrassing to say, but I met him on Facebook. So he um, first, oh, gosh, he added me on Facebook. He sort of, he didn't even add me really. He inboxed me. and sort of, sort of started up a conversation and at first I was thinking, oh, who's this creep? Like, why is he calling me babe and this and that? And I was sort of a bit like not turned off but just not really interested. And um, we started talking just as friends. I thought, oh, he's got a good sense of humour. He's actually really funny. Um, he's Samoan as well. So my, uh, my background is uh, my mum's Australian. My dad is Samoan. So I'm half Pacific Islander um, and my husband's Islander too. So... We had that in common and yeah, just a few other different things and we ended up meeting up one night in a nightclub in the city and it was just a drunken, messy night as it is when you're fresh 18 and, you know, just getting out onto the the club scene. But um, yeah, so we met him there and um, at a club, it was an R&B club, I remember, and I just sort of fell for him straight away because one, he could dance and two, he loved R&B music. So I was like, yeah, this guy's awesome. Love him. He'll be on the dance floor with me all night. (laughs) So we sort of, yeah, kicked it off from there. Um, But it's funny because my husband and I have been through such a journey um, when I like flashback to when we first met to where we are today. Oh my gosh, it's like pork and cheese. There's been so many changes that have been made and we really have done this journey together and it just makes me even more grateful to have him in my life. Um, because a lot of the time I think 
you know, you think you find you one and then all of a sudden, like, it's natural for us um, to learn new things and grow and evolve and sort of, you know, um, you sort of outgrow your, not outgrow your old lifestyle, but things, things start to not be so relevant as to, you know, when you get older as opposed to when you were younger. So for instance, you know, hitting the clubs every night, just loving life, not having a care in the world. But obviously now being older, we've got kids, a family, your priorities change. Um, but yeah, we just, oh gosh, there's so much I could say, but I just, yeah, we, we hit it off. Um, and then six months later, he actually said to me he was moving over to um, England. So I was like, okay, well, I um, don't really know what's going to happen because, you know, we were going good, but I didn't know if I was going to move over there. I mean, I was only like 18, just turned 19. So I just thought, you know, what, we'll just see how it goes. Um, and I just really, yeah, I really just sort of, I felt in my gut, like, I love this guy, like he's beautiful. So I thought, whatever it takes to make it work, I'll do it. So I actually moved over to England. He moved over first and then I moved over when I was 20. Um, and we lived there for five years together. Um, and we lived a very, very toxic lifestyle. Oh my gosh. When I think back to what we used to do, um, having Maccas every weekend, just, oh, this crazy binge drinking, like not caring for what we ate, what was going on our bodies, what was in our homes, just really had no awareness whatsoever. Um, but I'm glad that we went through that because obviously looking back, I mean, you can't, I don't have any regrets um, and you have to live your life and go through a journey and it's all part of your soul's journey. I always say, so um, we did that for five years um, and then we got married um, over in Samoa and that I remember on where, when we were over there, um, it was sort of like our, well, his bucks and my hens, but we met up because it's a small island and there's only like one club to go to. So we ended up meeting up at the end of the night. And I remember him telling me, um, sorry, I should actually say I'm married to a professional <laughs> rugby league player. So this is why we've sort of been overseas. Um, this will make sense now. Cause I was waiting for this. Yeah. So he plays, um, professional, he's a professional athlete and he's played rugby league. He's played rugby union and he's played um, in the rugby seven. So he's sort of had a really colorful career, which is amazing. So on that night, um, when we're in summer on his bucks and my hens, he's like, babe, I've just got a contract to go to Japan. Like, do you want to come to Japan? I was like, hell yes, I'll go to Japan. Um, you know, I just, I love traveling and I love, just love experience different, experiencing different cultures and um, living with him in, in England for five years, pretty much just us two away from our family was like, it would either make or break us and it totally made us. Um, and we only had each other to lean on and we just had to work through our stuff and whatever came up, we only had each other to lean on. So we really became stronger for it. So when he told me Japan, I mean, it's a non-English speaking country, but I was like, hell yes, let's do it. Like I'm sure um, you know, it's going to be the best experience. And it really was, oh my gosh, I don't know if you two have been to Japan, but wow, it is the most amazing, beautiful country. The culture is so gorgeous and polite and so respectful. And it just taught us so much living there. So we lived there for two years. Um, and yeah, we just, it's funny when we moved to Japan, that's when we really started to change our, our lifestyle and really become aware of, okay, what are we eating? What's going on our skin? What's around our home? Like, what are we watching? And we really sort of kicked off our own health journey there, um, then together. So um, that was, oh gosh, that was in 2013. How, what turned you? How did, what turned you in Japan to go from living the lifestyle you lived in England to to check what there must have been a something that made you change what was that yeah so i was living 
gosh, I, I've grown up my whole entire life with um, severe eczema and just digestive issues, never feeling great, um, always fatigued. Um, my sister and I were actually diagnosed with a pituitary, um, a benign pituitary tumor, uh, sorry, a tumor on our, the base of our pituitary gland. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. You. So the base wow. of our brain, yeah, we were, yeah, it was a benign tumor and we were diagnosed with that. So we sort of went through that whole, um, the system of, um, you know, being on chemo drugs and steroids and all different types of things. And our, our health really just took a turn for the worst. Um, back when we were 18, this is when I just sort of first met my hubby. Um, but yeah, from that, then there was obviously the side effects of that and just, not feeling amazing. Um, and I remember I had a, I had an old friend, um, that I connected with and she, um, sort of mentioned, it was like the very first health documentary I ever watched and it was um, called food matters. And I watched food matters, that documentary. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, like I had no idea how I was feeling physically and mentally had like that much to do with what I was eating. Um, and that kind of just sparked my curiosity and I kind of just kept rolling with that. And I don't know, it was just something inside of me was like, you need to learn more about this. I just sort of felt like followed my intuition. And like, once I started to watch food matters and I wanted to watch another documentary, I think the next one was like hungry for change. So I started watching that. And then one thing led to another. I just kept wanting to learn all this information because it was like all of a sudden, the pieces, like the puzzle, um, pieces of my like health puzzle, was all coming together, and I could understand on a deeper level, like addressing the root cause, not just masking the symptoms with like the steroid creams I was using and the and um, the pharmaceutical drugs that I used to use to sort of cover up what I was dealing with at the time. And um, yeah, I was just so curious because I hadn't really ever heard of it and like before. I was really, really new to holistic health, never really knew what that was about. But as soon as I dived into it, I just wanted to learn more. Um, so. Yeah, when I moved to Japan, I couldn't speak Japanese, so I couldn't actually work. Um, and my hubby was always training, um, playing or traveling with his team. So I thought, you know what, I've got all this time on my hands. I might as well use it to, the, to my advantage and do something that I actually want to do. And I literally just dived into my own self-education. So I was watching um, documentaries, I was joining seminars, I was reading books, I was like study, like looking up um, PubMed studies, like all this crazy stuff that I, I like would have never been interested in like five, 10 years ago, but all of a sudden I just was really into it. So um, I just kept following it. I don't know. It was like, once you just get onto something and your gut is like, oh, I'll keep reading into that and, you, and then you find something else. And I was like, oh, wow, I had no idea. And then you sort of just like, dive into another area of holistic health and it just doesn't stop for me. It was like a snowball effect. I just kept going and going and going. Um, and and do, then, you think, do you think, Taze, that um, being married to an international athlete, did you ever look at the correlation of his performances on field or is he just a, a real, without being generalised, typical um, rugby union league player that could just go out and give it his all every time? Or did you notice there was changes as you changed and changed his ways? Did that have an influence on him at all? A massive, massive yeah. influence. And I always, oh my gosh, I'm always trying to tell my husband, like, can you just please like get me in for like just a workshop or something? Because um, even still to this day, like the team that he's in at the moment, like he just tells me some of the stuff that the guys eat. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it's crazy that they just think that they can just eat such a rubbish diet, but then perform on the field. And to be honest, when I, when I watch and I think about how he used to perform on the field um, when we first met and we were living in England, um, it was nowhere 
near as amazing as what he is today. Like he is um, turning 33 this year and he is still like at the peak. Like he, he recovers so well. He touched with his injury free, like hasn't had a serious injury in years. Um, he's always just, you know, reaching um, the personal, like, oh, I don't know what it's called in training, but he's also always reaching PBs and like he's in the top, he's in the top, like, um, I don't know what it's called, like the terminology for footy, but like the top, top leaders of like the fitness testing and the, um, and the condition conditioning and the weights and everything like that. He's always like being complimented because he's like the oldest in the team, but he's keeping up with the young ones, like the literally like the 20 year olds. And he, I definitely, I know he knows. And I definitely um, know that I put it, we both put it down to the way that we live now um, and just how it's, helped his body recover and just keep up and just function at its peak when you're actually treating your body and with respect and kindness and nourishing it the way that it's meant to be nourished. Um, he definitely has performed um, amazingly over the last, you know, five years when we've, since we first decided to change our lifestyle. And that's what actually I think, because he played rugby sevens for um, a year and he was sort of in trials to go to the Olympics. And rugby sevens is not an easy sport. Like that is the most hardest training he's ever done in his career. And he was keeping up. Like he's a big guy. He's six foot uh, four, I think. He's 110, maybe 110, yeah, 110 kilos. Um, but he was keeping up and he was just, yeah, he was, he's still, I feel like there's still the best is yet to come for him because he's so fit. And I couldn't. And he's quite hot. I mean, you know, let's, let's, just, <laughs> yeah. let's just face that. And you know yeah. what? We, we've got the beautiful Karen has been able to join with us now. And what I'd love to ask, and maybe she might have some insights into this, but just on this note of him being an international athlete, um, Karen, you've seen it enough in your time and everything too around how athletes, the better they eat, the, the better their mindset. Mm. Um, can you just um, explain to us how that's affected you? Because I know Karen would be fascinated from that as well, as we are. Hi, Tay. How are you? Hello. How are you going? <laughs> I'm well. I'm well. I'm sorry I was a little bit late to join the show today, but it's great to sit here and to listen to you and the and the passion that you're speaking with Aww, about your husband and the love that you can hear in your voice is just amazing. So I, yeah, I love him. I love yeah, him. Yeah, I'm just I, I'm loving this. But I, I think that's a really great question, Kimmy, in terms of, you know, as an athlete, obviously you've got to keep yourself fit, body, mind and soul. And um, I'm a huge proponent for, you know, the fact that what we think about is what we bring about in our world. Mm. And you know, we're not just physical beings, we're emotional, mental and spiritual beings as well. So I'm, I'm really keen to hear the way that you guys and, and your partner manage your lives. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's so true because um, it's, it's really interesting um, because of, I mean, I'm sure you guys have dived into this, but the gut-brain connection, um, how when you actually start to focus on your gut, how much it changes your behavior, your mood, your mood, your mindset. And it just really, um, I would say like clean gut, clean thoughts or clean sort of clean sort of mindset because he for sure, I mean, he's always such a positive person, but the way that he carry carries himself and how he responds to different things, because it's a cutthroat industry. Like you have to perform every week, week in, week out. And, make sure that you're keeping up. Otherwise, you know, you're, um, 
you're sort of not kicked off the team, but they, you don't get a look in basically. So you're constantly like trying to prove yourself. And, and sometimes when, you know, I remember last year, he didn't um, get a lot of first grade games in and it was sort of, yeah, it does take a toll mentally when you, um, when you're at that level and you're scrutinized and the media is constantly sort of picking at you. Um, it takes a lot to really keep that level head and, um, just really remember what's important, I guess, and what we do all the time. Like we're, I'm all, we're always, my husband and I are always talking and he's all about what I'm about. Like if you, everything that I am about, he's about too, but he just doesn't speak on it as much um, at the moment. I'm sure he will in the future. But we're always doing um, like gratitude exercises and sort of, you know, just um, reminding each other. Like, yeah, sometimes we feel down, but just reminding each other of what's most important. And you know what? His career only lasts for so long. It's such a small percent of his life. What matters is what stays with you after and the way that he carries himself off the field, especially his reputation around um, around training is just, oh, I couldn't be prouder of him, honestly. The people, like the stuff that he, is said about him just makes me so proud because he really is such a kind, considerate, genuine um, person and he really does go above and beyond, not just for his team but for his family and his friends and definitely his kids and, and me, his wife. <laughs> So tell me how he goes with all the controversy um, that's been happening in your life at the moment, which we will um, talk about. But is, is he getting flack at all from his fellow, pe- his fellow um, sports or the people that are around him? Um, not in, no, he doesn't get flat from his team or his teammates. Um, cause you'll be surprised how many professional athletes do not, uh, they choose differently. Um, and they go against the status quo, but, um, no, he has so la, I think it was last year, was it last year or the year before when I went on the vaxxed bus tour in the U S mm. um, and that's when the media sort of really tried to come down a bit harder on us um and it wasn't so much um the people he was amongst it was more just um you know people online who really don't know (laughs) don't know the full story and there was sort of um yeah he did get targeted um by specific people and they were trying to um target his sponsors and um and the club but thankfully the club stuck up for us and said look what you guys choose um, for your family is your business. What we do is, you know, different. This is your job. This is footy. It's got nothing to do with what you guys choose for your kids. So you guys keep doing you and we'll support you. And it was beautiful to see. Like I really, um, we didn't, we, yeah, felt, felt safe and, um, welcome. And, and Frank definitely like he, he always says, um, you know, doesn't matter what happened. Like he'd happily give up his career to make sure that his family is, um, safe and protected and, and number one always. But, yeah, no, his, his club was really, really good about it. It was mostly just people trying to ring up and just stir trouble, which didn't go anywhere because, um, yeah, like they said, that's got like what you guys choose to do with your family has got nothing to do with, with what you're doing on the field. Well done. So let's talk about your babies. So um, I think were you pregnant in 2015 for the first time? Yeah. 2015. Yep. So tell us. Um, how the births of your two babies and one of them young at the moment, how, how old is your youngest? Oh, my baby Hendrix is nine months old. Oh, nine months already. Yeah. (laughs) So tell, tell us about how those two babies and your birth processes change you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've been on such a, um, 
a massive journey with those those two my beautiful babies but just the birth experience really because um for my first back in 2015 with um ziggy my oldest i planned to have a home birth so you know it was completely healthy nothing um wrong whatsoever during my pregnancy i felt amazing um you know just felt so i was in such a good place and i was totally set on yeah i'm having home birth feel so good um had everything set up for it um but the way that it sort of turned out was nothing like i i sort of planned but obviously you know the universe and god always has a bigger plan for you than you have for yourself and i actually ended up transferring to hospital um with ziggy and um ended up birthing him by c-section so i've gone from like planning to have a home birth to you know the highest intervention that you can have pretty much as a c-section um so that was a real big journey for me if i'm honest because i was really set on like no nah, i'll have a home birth i'm fine like everything will be all good and i when i think back now um i said i surrendered but i didn't really surrender to the entire process because if i truly surrendered to it i would have been like yeah surrendered like even if it takes a turn where I have to transfer. I'll be fine. But at that, in that moment, I was really, I was devastated to be honest because the hospital was the last place that I wanted to be. And um, to know that I had to end up going there for a C-section, yeah, it kind of threw me a little bit. But I'm in saying that I've got amazing family and I had two amazing private midwives who really supported me through the process. Um, and we spoke about everything and, um, you know, I'm so grateful to have access to emergency care because we definitely needed it. Um, definitely saved my baby's life. Um, but yeah, so then going from that um, to then falling pregnant again with my second bub, um, yeah, I planned another home birth. So I was like, yep, we can do this again. Like I wasn't, I wasn't scared about it. I, for me personally, I will always choose to have a home birth first and foremost above anything. If I'm low risk and I'm healthy and nothing's going on, I will always choose to have a home birth with my two private midwives. Um, but going into it second time around, obviously I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm really open to anything now. Anything can happen because, you know, the first I planned for a home birth and I end up transferring. So this one, I'm sort of not having any expectations. I'm just, you know, I'll do what I'm doing. I'll, I'll make sure I've got everything planned and prepared and, um, yeah, just visualize the outcome that I wanted and write it uh, and wrote it down and just try to keep a positive mind frame and also, just thought, you know what, in the back of my head, if I have to transfer again, it's all good. Surrender to the process, like literally surrender to everything um, because the way that my babies are born is exactly how they're meant to be born. Um, but thankfully, I ended up having a home birth with Hendrix, my second baby. So I had a V back at home. Um, and, oh gosh, it's going to make me cry when I talk about no. <laughs> I just, um, yeah, it's, it was so healing for me. Um, because, you know, you do have, when you have a C-section, <laughs> the thought does cross your mind, like, oh, maybe my body doesn't work and maybe my, like, maybe I can't, like, push my baby out and maybe my cervix just won't dilate because it's funny. Um, my mum had similar birth experiences and it's like, well, is this intergenerational and did, have, has she passed it down? And, like, is there something that I need to heal? And all these things go running through your mind. But when I had my... Um, when I gave birth to Hendrix in the water at home in my bedroom and my husband was there with my private midwives. Oh my gosh. I like, that is why, honestly, that is why I can stand today with so much conviction and fire and passion in my voice because I have been through 
um, those two births. I really honestly put it down to that. Um, and it's why I, yeah, it totally transformed me. And I thought, you know what? I, like, I remember saying as soon as I had my um, Hendrix, I'm like, I did it. I did it. I knew I could do it because I really wanted to push my a baby out vaginally. Like I know sometimes that sounds crazy to people, but I wanted to experience that so badly. Like I wanted to feel my full power. I wanted to feel my baby coming down my, um, my birthing canal. Like I was so like looking forward to that. And I did, I got it with Hendrix and he, oh, he's just, he's an angel. The way that he was birthed was so gentle and peaceful and beautiful. And that's exactly what his personality is like. He's so calm and just so content. And just the way that he came into this world is exactly how his personality is just beautiful, content, calm. Um, yeah, I couldn't, I just, yeah, I'll, I always cry at that when I talk about his birth experience, cause it really did heal. Like it was a, such a healing, um, a healing experience for me. You know, I, yeah, I, I, um, I noticed you don't like, um, injustices, you know, <laughs> following you and, um, watching what you talk about. And if you see an injustice, you'll say something. And I, I saw that when little gorgeous Cine and Chase mm. and all of that happened. And, but you're, you're, you've obviously seen an injustice, um, and what's happening with, uh, vaccinations and the polarization of our mothers pitted against each other uh, being called pro-vaxxers and anti-vaxxers mm. but you're actually not an anti-vaxxer you're an ex-vaxxer mm. that, am I correct here yes you're so correct I like I was once like you know very pro-vaccine um and you know what, if I hadn't have changed my lifestyle, I would have for sure vaccinated my babies. Um, but yeah, so I was very pro-vax, came from a, I came from a pro-vax family. Um, I was vaccinated myself growing up. Um, I remember, you know, volunteering to get the flu shot at work. Like I was all about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, since I changed my lifestyle, obviously I started to really look into it and what I was actually doing. Um, so yeah, no, I'm not this crazy anti-vaxxer that, you know, the media love to make out. I'm an ex-vaxxer. I used to vaccinate. Um, and yeah, I am, what I'm about is, um, pro-choice for sure. I'm about informed consent. Um, which is, yeah, I'm really about informed consent, really. Whatever you choose to do is your choice and you should have the right to choose, but make sure you've got informed consent before. So what made you um, go down that path and especially publicly? Because a lot of um, women are scared. A lot of women will not let anybody know where their stand is. And I... Um, admire you because you stood you stood firm um, mm. in what you believed, and for, and you just went public on it. What what made you do that? Was there something that happened, or um, I've always been the type of person to just live my truth. Um, I I don't know if you've met. <laughs> If you meet my mum, you'll get it because she's so unapologetic with how she is and how she lives her life. Um, she has, a, she comes from the, you know, the best heart and the best intentions. Um, but I, I have never, like growing up, I still remember, like I don't, I don't, I've never really cared about what other people thought of me. I've always been like, you know what, if I know what's in my heart and my intentions are pure um, and how I treat people in the real world um, is kind and considerate and genuine, then I really don't. I don't care what other people think of me who don't know me, who, um, you know, just make judgments before getting to know what I'm about or 
Um, yeah, so I, I remember I really sort of, I, I, I touched on it when um, Ziggy was younger, but I really didn't start to really start talking about it until my son turned one. Um, and I just, just the conversations that I've had with other mums, I just couldn't believe how much we just didn't know and like we weren't told about certain things and um yeah i just couldn't get over it i just like well how how do we how does how is how is no one questioning this like we're injecting this into our children like surely we should be looking into it and to me it just should have come natural like i was like oh okay well why aren't we questioning this and um the more that i found out and the more that i sort of saw the corruption i just wanted to keep talking about it because like you said like i'm if i see an injustice like i get so fired up i just like yeah i don't it's just a part of my soul i just my heart hurts for people when they're, um, yeah, when when they're sort of, I don't know how to say it. When, when they're hurting, when they're yeah, hurting, there is yeah. Yeah, I just really feel for people and especially for people like, um, yes, uh, Sinai and Mark and their gorgeous boy Chase mm. um, and just their circumstances because I felt like, you know what, this really only happens to, well, I can't say really, but it mostly happens to what I've seen, the families who don't have a lot of money, who are sort of, um, don't have a lot of support. And uh, that really gets to me because I've grown up um, in a lower socioeconomic area my whole entire life. I've always grown up near housing commission. Um, we didn't come, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. My parents, you know, worked their butts off to give um, us, my, well, me and my sisters, what we have today. And so like when I see an injustice against families like mine or families that I've grown up around, like it really eats away at me and I just can't help but say something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So recently you uh, did a post and the post was um, where you said, please stop normalising vaccine reactions. And you were especially asking people that had influence um, to please stop. I, I thought it was a fair request. You know, we're normalising something a reaction or a side effect of the vaccine. And, and you, I thought your post was beautiful. I think um, you did a brilliant job of it. Would you like to tell us what happened as a result of uh, that happening? Yeah. So I, over the time in social media, like I always have people sending all different things to me. Um, Cause to be honest, I'm not much of a scroll. Like I don't have time to sit on my phone and scroll. So people usually send me things and, um, the one common theme that kept coming up was um, other bloggers or other people with influence posting about their children and sort of just like playing down like, oh, um, you know, baby's not reacting, um, reacting well to his injections today and um, oh, lots of cuddles for us and something just, I think I saw one more person which sort of just was like the tip of the iceberg for me and I just thought, can we, we need to stop sharing our child's reactions or what happens to our children and how they're like, you know, they come down with um, fevers and, and even seizures and things like that. We need to stop normalizing it because our children suffering like that is not normal. It shouldn't be normal. And it's also encouraging other mamas to think, okay, well, yep, this is just a given when we take them in for their, their shots, like, you know, it's to be expected. They will be a little bit unwell. And it's sort of, I said in my post, it's numbing our our mama instincts to really clue on to okay my baby is not like not going well what like you know we make we innately know our baby's best right and we know for sure if so if we've given our child something 
and then a couple of hours later or you know half a day later they'll they've come down with something we make the connection straight away but we when we take them in for their injections and then something happens it's like we doubt ourselves and or we just think oh this is normal or I don't know. It's like we're so disconnected from that experience because we've been conditioned to think that everything's a coincidence and everything, uh, you know, that couldn't be linked to that or maybe it was something else. Um, but really, we know. Like, we know our babies best and I just, yeah, I sort of had enough. I just wanted to, like, as lovingly and, you know, positively as I could, really ask mums to stop normalising their child's vaccine reaction. Yeah, because they're, you know... They're not exactly normal and we shouldn't, we shouldn't be having those reactions because they weren't happening back in the 60s the way they're happening now. Mm. So what backlash did you get? Oh, so much. <laughs> I got the worst trolling I've ever experienced um, in my time of really trying to raise awareness. I got absolutely smashed um but it was because it was mostly picked up by um american pages and, and especially american sort of hate group pages and they just absolutely hijacked my post um so that they really tried to confuse my audience muddy the waters just make it an absolute um it was a jungle i said on my post it was seriously like everyone was just going crazy um not everyone but the people who are against what I um, sort of advocate were just absolutely tearing me to shreds um, to the point where, yeah, I had to get off social media because it's just not, it's not healthy for me to be sitting on my phone all day trying to block and ban and, you know, sift through the nasty comments. So I copped a lot of backlash, but it's funny. It didn't really catch media, um, the media's attention and it didn't really, from what I saw, I don't know, maybe the other bloggers saw it, but I didn't get anyone reaching out to me saying, hey, you know what, actually, like, thanks, for that. But thanks for bringing that to my attention. Um, um, I see what you're saying sort of thing. I, I don't know if it was ignored or I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but I definitely got trolled like really severely. Um, yeah, so it was pretty full on. <laughs> I watched it. I, I was watching it and... Um... Oh, yeah, there's some pretty, you had death threats, I believe. Uh, yeah, so people were like telling me to meet them, um, to meet them at this time, this place um, and saying, you know, because um, I, I said something, there was something in my post um, about like how I um, would take arrows for my truth and they're like, yep, take an arrow to the head right now. Um, you're killing your babies. You're wishing death upon um, your babies and, and just saying the most vile, vile, vile things. Like I just couldn't, there was so much, so many things that were said that I just had to completely just switch off and be like, you know what, this is actually unacceptable and this is legit cyberbullying and I'm not going to tolerate it. Um, and if we can do something about it, then let's do it. So I actually um, like put a call to action out to the people on my pages saying, you know, we don't have to tolerate this. Um, here's what the pages are called jump on and report them because they are absolutely um, hijacking my pages and harassing not only me, but the people that were commenting on my comment thread who were sharing their um, stories of there are, you know, they're unvaxxed healthy children and this is my story and, and even like vaccine injuries and this is my story. They were just jumping on and just, and attacking everybody. And I, I have always, um, 
tried my very best to keep my my online pages a safe space for parents to come to. Whether you believe in vaccines or you don't, I want a, an environment and an online platform where we can have a safe, respectful conversation and it was just turning disgusting. It was just turning nasty. So... Can I ask um, yeah. you also on that note, Taze, there was another post that you had. You've, you've got a beautiful tour coming up and I'd love you to tell us what that's about um, called Making Informed, Informed Choices Workshop. Yeah. But I noticed when you put that out there, there was even backlash within your community about the price <laughs> yeah. of um, oh, yeah. these workshops. <laughs> so I would love you to share with the listeners that don't know this um, your beliefs around money, valuing something, and also you've got a strong voice around the exchange of money as a, as a force, if you like. Mm. I'd really love you to explain that story as well so that we can all get a, gripe, get a grasp on it, not a gripe, get a grasp on it because so many people have an issue around money and the cost mm. of things yeah. or the investment of things. Yeah, money is a big trigger for everyone, um, especially especially if you're living, you know, week to week. Um, and I, I don't know, I just, my community sort of really got upset about how I priced my workshop because I think the other vaccine info events that have been done before have been run by parents that I know um, and I, I work closely with them, um, but they've always underpriced it for a reason to just really reach a lot of people and get as many people there as possible um, and make it affordable for families. So when I priced my workshop the way that I priced it, and it, it is a big jump, it's $200 to go um, for my workshop, a four-hour workshop, and you get um, food and drink, you get an info pack, you get, you get so much in there. There's so much that I haven't um, shared on my social media platforms that's going to be included in the day. Um, but yeah, they really, really got upset with me. And I think I think what it was is they got upset and disappointed because I've always been about um, including everybody and sort of fostering that environment where, you know, there's no discrimination and everyone is welcome um, to the table as long as you're respectful. And for a lot of parents, especially if you are going down this journey and you choose not to vaccinate, um, we have a lot more sort of up against us financially in terms of we don't get the rebates from the government and we usually choose to feed our children um, healthier food, so like organic produce and low-tox um, products around our homes and because we can't send our kids to daycare and preschool, then we have to pay for other activities and it's like, yeah, so I had a few comments that were like, are you oblivious to the financial hardship that us families are put under? Like how dare you price your your workshop at that price, it's outrageously overpriced and this and that. And um, yeah, I sort of, I, had, I felt like I had to go and justify why I priced it at that, that price. And I shouldn't need to, I feel like I shouldn't need to justify myself, number one. But number two, it really comes down to fear around money. Like so many of us have money stories that, you know, we're in such a scarcity mindset and there's not enough and money is the root of all evil because you know the pharmaceutical industry especially are absolutely like filthy rich and the way that they're using their money is you know not not in everyone's best interest and the way that they circulate it can be very toxic but for me I see money as a as a resource for us to really make big effective change um in this world and 
we really can't move to the next step without people investing, without, you know, without the resources. And also I do this, what I do, the way that I run my business and my pages, I, I do it by myself. So I don't have any PAs to help me. I am running all these pages. I'm doing these workshops. I'm doing all the admin. I'm raising my babies. I'm like, I'm at home with my, I'm trying to be, you know, a present wife with my husband. And so I, what I, what, how I sort of justified it in my mind is number one, my time and energy that is poured into this movement day in, day out, like blood, sweat and tears that go into it, um, is totally, is totally, oh, I don't know what the word is, like justifiable as to why I priced my workshop at that price. But not only that, what they're given during the day for me, like I had so many, I've had so many money blocks in the past. Um, that I've worked through. And if someone else comes forward and I truly wholeheartedly believe in what they're doing and that's the work and that's the price that they put up and they wholeheartedly see that that that's what they're worthy of, I will for sure go and invest in that person, in that product, um, because I want them to keep making bigger, bigger changes and make a bigger impact. And I, you know, I'm all about supporting people. It doesn't matter how much it costs at the end of the day for me now, like the way that I see it money is energy. And if we're going to make energetic exchanges, we, we need money to move forward and make this, make bigger, make a bigger impact in this world. And my community couldn't see it like that because I guess money for a lot of families is hard to come by. Um, especially if we mums have to stay at home while the dad goes out to work because we've got to mind our kids because we can't get them in childcare and daycare. And yeah, so it kind of triggered a lot of people. Um, but for me, I wholeheartedly believe that that is what my time and energy um, is worth. But not only that, the press, like what's going to happen during the day is 100% worth $200. Um, and where I'm also putting that money back into. So it's not just like, oh, you know, um, I priced my workshop at this price and I'm, you know, happy days. Um, I'm getting paid. And I'm going to go on a holiday. No, I'm actually circulating that money in ways that will actually benefit this community in such a bigger, more effective and powerful ways that a lot of people can't see that because obviously I haven't explained it. But the way that I'm going to circulate this money is just going to create an even bigger yeah, impact and make way more noise than what we're currently doing at the moment. So I wanted to do something different. I wanted to, not only that, but I actually, I'm calling in specific sort of people to invest into these workshops because I want leaders. Like I don't want another person to just sit there and take in the information and then be too scared to say anything about it. I want people to come there, feel the energy and the fire and the passion and leave that workshop wanting to speak out and really wanting to start that conversation amongst their family and friends and not being afraid to do that anymore because there's so many of us, we're, we hold the silent majority for a reason. There's so many of us living in fear and hiding and not telling people that we don't vaccinate because of the judgment and, and the opinions. And I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about finding more leaders now. If we're to step up and really make change for our future and um, well, for our baby's future and their baby's future, we really need to have more leaders and really, yeah, be a strong voice for this movement. Tay, I think what you're, what you're talking about there, and I'm with you 100%, you know, like I'm really big on charging for my own events in terms of the kind of people that I want to have at those events and mm. what sort of um, investment that's going to be in their own health and well-being or their own 
futures and what they're going to get from it to enhance their experience of life. And it's, you know, there's a couple of different ways to even look at it. You know, from a business point of view, just purely business, taking the people out of the equation, purely, purely business point of view. You think about um, when, we, when we're looking at what we're charging or what we're, what we're price points we're putting on our events is what will the audience member, what will the listener, the participant, what are they going to take away with them and then how is that going to impact their life? Mm. So before we kind of do anything else, that's the kind of the first question that we ask and it sounds to me like everything that you're putting into these um, workshops it's going to impact these people's lives enormously. And, you know, hands down, I, I, I'd be very surprised if there would be a mum or somebody who is suffering or somebody who is in pain that wouldn't be willing to spend $200 on a workshop with even just the chance of walking away with some enlightenment and, and a light that switched on that they wouldn't have had before. Mm. So exactly I think right. I think that we waste, you know, so much money on trying different supplements, trying different practitioners, trying this and trying that and trying that and trying this and trying that to try to find where our healing or our help can come from. I, I honestly think that if anybody is following you, they're following you because they already know that they like you and they trust you and they believe in what you're sharing. Mm. So hands on heart, I think anybody that goes to your workshop, they're your people. They're the people who know that they can certainly benefit from what you're offering. But I think the next thing that I was thinking of while you were talking there was very much about, well, you know, in my mind I'm thinking, well, who is going to be the best person to go to? And I think it's the influencers. Mm. I think it's the people who are willing to, you know, you, you sound to me like you're a little bit like Cindy, you know, you're just mm -hmm. <laughs> you're this unashamed disruptor that kind yeah. of comes in and says, you know what, peeps, this is, this is my viewpoint. Like mm. it or don't like it, but this is my viewpoint and I stand behind it. And let me make sure that everything is backed by evidence. Let me make sure that everything is backed by my research. And then you choose. Exactly you know, right. It's not about revoking responsibility from anybody. It's actually about helping people become more informed so that they can accept responsibility. Exactly. And I think that that's really key to the work that you're doing in terms of creating leaders because you're helping people become a ripple effect in their communities, become a ripple effect in their lives. Mm -hmm. Rather than being passive and impacted, we can become assertive and impactful. And I think that there's a place in the world for both. And which one we choose I think we all know who we are. We know, we know who we are and we know what we want to be and we know who we need to follow and who we need to support in order to, to make our stand in this world. So for whatever that's worth, I just wanted to stand behind you on that and say I think you're doing amazing things. Yeah, thank you. And I just want to say um, for me, I know for myself, when I invest in other workshops that are, you know, triple the price, I know that it's not just that one day that I'm going to get out of it, that information and that experience and that connection with other like-minded people will stay with me for life so it's not just you know the four hours that you're there for the workshop it's the value that that provides for the rest of your life for the rest of the attendees right. life yeah so um i think we undervalue those sorts of experiences and i and uh, yeah it's sort of hard for people to get their head around sometimes unless they're actually in that room and they're feeling that energy in the atmosphere and they're like okay yeah i get it now this is so worth it you know and then you know this time next year they'll probably forget that they spent two hundred dollars 
$1,000 on my workshop, <laughs> you know, but at least they've got that value that, you know, that even that just, if they make one friend in that, like, there's so many, there's so many things that could happen in the workshop that would be absolutely priceless for somebody and way worth more than $200. Taze, I'm wondering if you can tell us, I know we're coming to the end of our podcast and there is so much more that we'd love to share with you, but if there was, first of all, can you tell us about your Making Informed Choices workshop and how people can get there? And then perhaps you could give us what we three like to do is to give our top two takeaways that we've taken from your talk. But maybe if we could ask you, what would be your top two messages to everybody listening here? Mm. Um, yeah, so I am about to, well, I've launched my official tour and the first um, workshop will be in Sydney. So that's kicking off on the 3rd of March um, in Sydney, but I'm also going to, I'll be going to Melbourne, Brisbane, um, I'm actually going over to Samoa, Auckland and then Perth. Oh, and there's some, there's another, hang on, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Samoa, Auckland, yeah, Perth. So I'm going to six different locations um, within, yeah, up until July. And what my Making Informed Choices workshop is really about is encouraging the parents to take back their power and feel 100% confident in whatever choices they make and know that we do have rights and we can choose and actually pushing back on the medical establishment and saying, hey, it is actually your, you have a duty of care to provide us with information so that I can feel like I've got true informed consent to then, you know, consent to whatever, whether, whatever medical procedure, whatever, it doesn't even have to be vaccines, but, you know, anything you've got to do with um, the medical establishment, you want to be able to give true informed consent. You want to be, you want to feel like you've got, you know, the full range of information, not just one side of this, the conversation or, um, the, to the sort of topic, but you want to be able to feel like you've got a good grasp on the full picture, you know the risks and benefits, um, you know that you've got choices and really be able to stand strong and be like, you know what, I've, I feel 100% confident in this because I feel like I've made an informed choice, I've looked at everything. Um, and, yeah, just really to take back their take back their power and their control and take responsibility, I guess, because so many... So many parents, I just, I've lost count. So many times I've heard stories of, um, you know, mothers going into the GPs and feeling really intimidated and, and um, not feeling confident and making decisions out of fear um, and really feeling pressured and bullied when, you know, we actually have the right to informed consent and we are allowed to ask questions, but a lot of the time we don't want to ask questions because it's like, oh, like I'll get in trouble or, you know, well, the doctor said this. and um, you know, it's like we're questioning authority and so many of us are scared to do it. So I really, what my workshop is about is showing the full buffet of information and everything is, it's going to be, it's completely unbiased. It's not in my opinion whatsoever. I'm not going to be influencing any, anyone's decisions. I would never tell parents what to do, but what I want to showcase is the literature, the science, what we have here, what we know, um, and everything is fully referenced. And I'm using the government. It's pretty much all the government, the CDC, um, the Australian Bureau of Statistics. I'm going, you know, going through all of their websites and using their information and showing parents the, the finer details that we're not being told. Um, and for them to really sort of look at it holistically and see the bigger picture and, and realise, okay, well, 
maybe we should be questioning this procedure and, and do we really have the safety studies to back this up and is it going to be effective for my bio-individual child? Um, and, yeah, there's no, if, you walk, if you come to my workshop, there's no way you're going to walk away not wanting to ask more questions. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So um, my tickets, you can get my tickets through taswaymovement.com.au. Um, it's a very limited amount of tickets for each workshop for a reason because I really, um, there's many reasons, but one I really feel like an intimate smaller group is um, better for me personally because I can really um, hit home with what I want to hit home with and just connect with the people that are there and who are investing um, their time and their money into this workshop. And what else was I supposed to say? I forget the other question that you asked me, sorry. And then just give us your top two. I mean, that's fantastic. And I think for people to actually want to get hold of you and to come to your workshop, we certainly can see there's going to be a huge amount of information. Then it's don't be afraid, you know, like, and I always believe it's never about the time or the money that we invest into something. And it's about whether or not it's a priority to you. And you mm. will always always take something away um, from a workshop and particularly something of this caliber with someone with so much passion. If you had two messages to give to our beautiful listeners around life, business, kids, birthing, whatever it is, what would be your top two takeaways you would love people to remember this podcast for? My top two would be... Um, my, first of all, my, my first message would be to other mums or other parents who are listening to trust your instincts. We were giving them, giving them for a reason. We know our babies best. We live for their every breath, every move, every tear. We know our babies inside and out. So trust. If your gut is telling you that something's not right, follow that because um, yeah, it's always, it won't lead us astray. And the second message that I sort of want to put out there is don't be afraid to live your truth. Don't be afraid to really step into your power and say, hey, you know what? This is what I believe in. This is my story. This is what happened has happened to you know my family, whether it be you want to share a vaccine injury story or anything. Don't be afraid to really use your voice because now is <laughs> there's no time like the present right now. We need more brave, fierce parents to really start to share their truth. Um, unapologetically, but do it from a place of, you know, kindness and love and be respectful about it. But really just step into your power and roar that fire, that passion inside of you that you feel when you see something. Um, it doesn't have to be anything to do with vaccines, but if you feel so strongly about something, stand up, like use your voice and stand for something because, you know, it will, there's so many people that are in, like they live in fear of the opinions online, but you know what really matters is what's happening in the real world. Like what's happening in your home? Do you have a beautiful family? Do you have, you know, healthy kids? Um, do you have a roof over your head? The simplest things like that's what matters at the end of the day, not what other strangers are going to say to you online. Um, so yeah, just be brave, <laughs> be brave and start living your truth. Because once you start doing that, being brave and stepping into your power, that creates a ripple effect and it actually inspires other people to really start stepping into their power and owning their life. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I really enjoyed listening to you and your passion. How old are you, uh, Taylor? I'm 29 turning 30 uh, next month. <laughs> I don't know if there's many women listening to this and men going, you know, I wish you had, they had that spunk and power and determination and focus at that <laughs> age. But I want to say on behalf of your generation and on behalf of us, it's been an absolute treat to, to have you on the show. 
um, my top two takeaways, if you girls don't mind me starting. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> my two top takeaways is I just love the fact that you could own, you own your stuff, that you are proud to own your mistakes, that you're proud to own your lessons, that you're proud to own the fact that you are a continual work in progress. That's the feeling I've got from you, Taylor, mm. and I really, I so love the Samoan culture. I love the fact that um, you're married to an international athlete. I love the fact that he's hot, that you're gorgeous. <laughs> I love the fact that he backs you and vice versa. I'm even more proud of the fact that his club backed your decision. So I really feel the stronger you are in your stand and your convictions for a belief and the more that, the more that will create a ripple effect in your community and, and you're doing just that. So I just want to honour you. I think all of us, the amount of people we've interviewed on our show at times that have had reckless teenage years or have had times in their lives that they'd probably rather delete, they've also appreciated that it's from there that the greatest learnings have come. Mm. And I think the other um, the takeaway that I got from you is that um, just because something is common doesn't mean it's normal. Um, the things around reactions to vaccines or maybe foods or maybe even things like the pituitary benign um, cancer that you were that you were told just because it's it, it's common and there's lots of it doesn't mean to say it's normal and to really trust that innate knowing and intelligence to really um, to, to push the boundaries so I want to thank you for those two takeaways for me oh my gosh I, thank you honestly like <laughs> that is so nice. I didn't know if anyone said such nice things about me online. But thank you so much, honestly. I, I'm so I'm so grateful to be here amongst you fierce women because you inspire me just as I inspire you, I guess. But you really like I look up to women like you, so thank you. All right, my two top takeaways is that people can change. Uh, and I think that it's wrong to look at someone and look at their past and say, oh, look, this is what this person did then and not realise they've, how they've grown, what they've learnt and where they stand today. And I, you know, we all do it. We all, like, we're changing all the time. We're learning and as we educate ourselves, and that's what you did, Taylor, is you educated yourself and you became more knowledgeable. And as you knew more, you did better. And as Oprah Winfrey says, as we know better, we do better. And mm -hmm. that's exactly what you did. So um, I think it's that people need to consider that and realise that, you know, we all have pasts that maybe we partied or we ate the wrong food or we drank the wrong thing or we smoked the wrong thing. <laughs> or sleep with a whole lot of people. Oh, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> or whatever it is. But as we know better, we can do better and I feel that that's you. And the other thing is, is that when a woman has a passion and feels an injustice, she is all-powerful mm. and that's you, Taylor. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I just want to quickly add that um, give yourself permi permission to change your mind. We are, you know, fluid beings. We are allowed to evolve and we're allowed to change our mind. And, you know, what might be our truth yesterday might, be not, might not be our truth tomorrow. So really just give yourself that permission and don't hold yourself to one way of living for the rest of your life because that's not, that's not the beauty of life. We're constantly changing, evolving, growing. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Honestly, I really... Oh. I'm loving this. Can I come back? <laughs> well, you still got mine too. Yeah, I was going to say, wait till you hear Kay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm down the rabbit hole a little bit. 
I'm thinking, I'm, the, I'm looking at a quote here that we've put up onto the Spirit Hive Facebook page today. And it says, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude by Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. And I loved that you, um, Tay, look at the world and you see things you don't like and then you look to changing them. But you're not ashamed to do that and you're certainly not afraid. And I think that that leads me to the second point really where, um, you know, from a philosophical point of view, most of us spend our lives looking for happiness. And happiness is usually quite fleeting. It, it comes in moments and it comes in experiences and it comes in um, people and, and things that we do. But happiness doesn't tend to be something that has longevity and sustainability to it. It seems to, happiness seems to be experienced on a background of challenge. But one thing that you've certainly um, uh, mastered here is finding quality of life through meaning. Mm. And what I'm looking at from a psychological point of view, Tay, is what you're, the legacy that you're leaving for your children. Oh. Because what you're sharing with your children there is how to find meaning in life. Oh, and you found meaning in such a, such, a, such a very meaningful way in the lives of others. But you've also shown your children what does passion look like and what does never taking no for an answer look like and what does never being frightened of what anybody else has, has to say about you, what does that look like? You know, I, I, I had some conversations that kind of blew me off my feet yesterday about some younger people um, and social media and how they're being affected by social media. And at the time I thought to myself, but you're still choosing to turn the social media on. You're still choosing to listen to it and read to it read, and read it, you know. And just hearing you saying that when you were attacked for your point of view and you went, you know what, I don't have to tolerate that. I don't have to tolerate that. I don't have to take that on and I don't have to make any of that real about myself. Mm. I think that those are real lessons, not only that it become examples for others, but most importantly in your world and in your home and under your roof, those are huge lessons for your children, which in this day and age they need. So I want to congratulate you for being one kick-ass mum. <laughs> You're making me cry over here. <laughs> Seriously. Kick-ass mama. <laughs> I really believe that our kids choose who they come to in terms of families and your kids are going to have one hell of a ride. Oh, gosh with you oh. as their, as their mum. So congratulations to you. If you were here, I'd give you a big high five and a scream. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much, honestly. Like, oh, you got me, <laughs> got me with my kids. I always, <laughs> I always start to cry. But, no, honestly, that's, yeah, when things get really tough and I feel like giving up sometimes as I do, you're only human. Um, and there's so much, there's only so much you can take when you read all the nasty stuff online. But, um when I really feel a bit low and I think, you know, what is this worth it? I think, yes, it's worth it because oh, my it. kids, my kids, they're relying on, on their parents and this, my generation right now to really stand up for them and their future. And just to be able to have a choice for them, for themselves, for their only, and their, their children and their children to come. So I always just think, you know what? No, this is worth it. I'm going to keep going because my kids need this. I'm doing this just as, like for my kids, just as much as for my, you know, for myself and my generation, but most importantly for my babies. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh. There's your oh my gosh. I could stay on here all day and talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been an awesome podcast. Hey, you've been amazing. And so, um, 
engaging and so enlivening. So thank you for this. I'm sure our listeners have absolutely loved it. So Cindy, we've got Tay's contact details already that you can put in the show notes of taysewaymovement.com. Yes. Um, and all of our listeners can rip on over to the website and book into the workshop and follow you around on your Australian tour. So thank you for being a part of today's show. You've been amazing, Tay, and hopefully we'll be with you again. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, I can't express my gratitude enough. I, you have no idea how much you all inspire me. Um, and I really, yeah, things like this, podcasts like this really keep me going. So thank you. It's come at a perfect time for me. Well, you are most welcome. For all of our listeners, hopefully you guys have loved today's show. Head on over to allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and you can pop your questions and your comments right there. Or you can also head on over to allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. But whatever you do, either way, make sure that you tune in next time right here on Up For A Chat where you get to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. Seriously, we're going to see you on the ride. Bye for now, everyone. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.